0: in a messed up world. And uh, if you want to come, if you haven't been before, come along tonight and uh, join the, those who normally come on a Sunday evening. It's a blessed, always a blessed service, our Sunday evening service. I want to read from Ephesians chapter 4, verse 17. This I say therefore and testify in the Lord that you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk. in the futility of their mind, having their understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the hardening of their heart, who, being past feeling, have given themselves over to licentiousness, to work all uncleanness with greediness. But you have not so learned Christ, if indeed you have heard Him, And have been taught by him that the truth is in Jesus. That you put off concerning your former conduct the old man, which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lusts, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Which was created. Stand. And so, chapter 4, verse 1, says this again we're we're all in the NI, new king james if you could put the new king james up will it will it go up if try anyway i therefore the prisoner of the lord beseech you to lead a life worthy of the calling with which you were called to lead a life worthy of the calling literally to walk worthy to walk worthy and uh, to walk it's just another way of saying live a life Behave. This is how you behave. A walk is a step after a step after a step. So to walk the Christian life is in every part to walk with God, to let God be in control. So the NIV does translate it, walk each time. What it translates walk as live, live out your life, live out with God, walk with God. And it comes again at the beginning of this passage that we're looking at. Chapter 4, verse 17. But it's a negative here. We're told how not to walk. How not to live. So this is the life that we have to shun as Christians. Verse 17. This I say therefore, and testify in the Lord that you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk, in the futility of their mind, who are the Gentiles? Well, it's not meant here. It's not Paul's not talking about the sort of racial Gentiles in terms of non-Jews. It's a way of saying all who don't follow Christ, all who are not don't know God. And he's saying, don't walk no longer. No longer walk as the rest of those who don't know God, as the Gentiles walk, in the futility of their mind. And the word futility, it sort of means emptiness. It's vanity. Futileness. Futility. And it's saying that, basically, no matter how clever you are, no matter how many letters you have after a name, you know, and how many qualifications you have, however wise the world might think of you, if you are without God, you don't believe in Christ, your thoughts, your thinking, is em- ultimately empty. It's futile. It's meaningless. It's purposeless. And so, he's saying, those without God, walk in the futility of their mind. There's no purpose, ultimately, because they leave out God. And then he goes on to say, verse 18, having their understanding darkened being alienated from or separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart literally the hardness of their heart and what that whole phrase there tells us is this my deepest problem in life, your deepest problem in life, is that without the grace of God, your heart, my heart, is totally hardened against God. Your heart and my heart is totally dead to God and hardened towards God. In other words, I've got no ability within me to find God. I have no ability. No, the sinfulness of our heart is such that our hearts are totally hardened against God in the natural sense. And that means and, and that was so for you and me, when before we came to Christ, we were hardened, spiritual, hardened, spiritually hardened. sin had sort of cauterized everything about us so that we could not relate to God. so it doesn't matter if you 're a university prof- professor or you're illiterate and, you, and, and you're uneducated, it's, a, it's it's true for every person. Whether you're religious, beautifully religious, you're following some religion or not, if you do not know Christ, if you haven't been born again by the Spirit of God, then within us we have nothing that can connect us to God unless God works in us. That's what it's saying. And then the... Paul goes on in verse 19. I'm going to read, I am reading the NIV here because it sort of uses more familiar terms. Having lost all sensitivity, this is speaking of those without God, having lost all sensitivity, they have given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity and they are full of greed. Now, That's a catalogue of sinful behaviour which describes those who don't know God. Now, sin and sinful behaviour expresses itself in different degrees, in different ways, in different people. Here's what this passage is saying as I understand it. If God were to remove all the restraints If God was to take away what the the, the theologians call common grace, common grace is the grace of God that is given to everybody. It touches everybody, saved and unsaved. Everybody in this world. God gives common grace. If God were to remove his restraints, his common grace, then sin would find its fullest expression in every person. There would be no decency. There would be no niceness. There would be no love. There would be nothing that would, if you say, if you could say, would redeem a person, because the sinful heart is so polluted with sin and hardened against God that it cannot, it cannot express goodness, anything of God, unless God allows it to. So if God removes the constraints in people, everyone would experience the expression in its fullest of sin. That's, that's what Paul is saying. So what what is what the, 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 the power of this passage is this. Paul is saying, don't live, if you're a Christian, don't live as those who live without God. Do not live. Don't... Do, don't get sucked into this way of life, which is characteristic of those who aren't without who are without Christ. Do not let the world in, in um, Philippians, sorry Romans 12, is it where uh, JB Phillips translates it? Don't let the world mould you into its shape. We're not to get sucked into that lifestyle. We've left that behind. There's there's an old you and we're to put that off. We're to put on the new. We're to be different. I'm to be different. You're to be different to the rest of the world. We're not to be ruled by our sinful desires. We're not to think aimlessly and futilely, live for ourselves. We're to live Christ-centered. You know, the the Christian life is a fantastic adventure. You, if you're a Christian, you're right in the center of God's cosmic plan for this universe. He's he's working out His plans through you and through me. So we've got a Christ-centered purpose every day. We don't have emptiness. We don't have futility. So this section... Paul's letter is the practical outworking of what's gone before chapters 1 to 3 um, and and that's why Paul begins that chapter if you look at chapter 4 verse 1 he begins it with a therefore He says I therefore the prisoner of the Lord therefore is a link word isn't it it, it's, it, it links the action with what's gone before so, because of chapters 1 to 3, therefore, and so on. Let there be behavior. Let your behavior reflect what's gone before. If you look at chapter 4, verse 17, the passage we're looking at, you get another therefore. This I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord that you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles. Th- th- these These chapters in in Ephesians, chapters 3 and 4, 5 and 6, they're full of therefores. In other words, because of what's happened, because of what God has done, that should change our behavior. You don't need to turn to these. Let me just bring out um, that fact. I'll just quickly run through these. Chapter 4, verse 25, Paul says, Therefore, putting away lying. 5, verse 1, Therefore, be followers of God as dear children. Five verse seven. Therefore, do not be partakers with them. Five fourteen. Therefore, he says, "Awake, you who sleep." Five seventeen. Therefore, do not be unwise. Five twenty four. Therefore, you, if you're just reading it, you don't miss. You, you sort of miss that. But Paul's the force of it is this: because God has done this for you, yes. therefore. Because Christ has died for you, therefore live out your life. Live out my life. So what it's really saying is this. If it's true that you have been chosen by God from before the foundation of the world, that you should be holy and blameless. If it's true that you have been rescued from your sinful state, from being separated from God forever, if it's true that you've been united with Christ in His death and raised with Him in His life, if it's true that you're part of the family of God and you're united with other believers, if it's true that you're a member of the body of Christ, if all of that's true, then live in a way that reflects that. Let your life conform to that way of living. Christ has done this for you. Now live in the light of that. Take off the old grave clothes. Of your old life. Don't, don't, let, them, don't let the behaviour. Which is part of your sinful old life. Don't let that behaviour. Impact your life today. Put off the old clothes. Put on the new. Warren Wearsby says. Take off the old clothes grave clothes and put on the new grace clothes lovely way of putting it let let the grace clothes be put on in your life in my life if you like put off the old smelly part of the old sinful life the behavior that so infects us so easily and put on the new so that's a life to shun secondly A battle to be won. A battle to be won. Chapter 4, verse 22. Paul goes on to say, that you put off concerning your former conduct, the old man, which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lust, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that you put on the new man which was created according to God, In true righteousness and holiness. One of the uh, paradoxes of the Christian life is that we are continually exhorted in God's word to become what we already are. We are exhorted to become what we already are in Christ. Paul tells us, doesn't he? You are a new creation in Christ. the old's passed away the new has come now become like that live it out I've died to Christ sorry I haven't died to Christ I've died to sin I've been raised with Christ and I'm now part of the body of Christ the Holy Spirit lives in me therefore live that out there's a battle we face you see That's the problem, isn't it? Why don't we live out like that? Why don't we why do we have this struggle? Well, there's a battle that goes on inside. Paul says, Look, you've got to put off. God's not going to do it for you. You've got to put off the old life and put on the new. You know, we all know that struggle. Sin's power has been broken, and yet there's still a conflict. I read uh, some quite a long time ago now, Philip Yancey's book, What's So Amazing About Grace. Very good book. And in, in that book, he tells of the Harvard biologist, a man called Edward Wilson. And uh, this biologist, uh, he, he performed an e- experiment on ants. And he'd noticed that it took ants a few days to recognize when one of their fellow ants had died. And he deduced that it was not by sight that they recognized this, but by smell. So what happened was the dead ant's body began to decompose. The other ants would recognize the smell, and they'd carry the dead ant away to the dead ant refuse pile outside of the nest. After many tries, Edward Wilson, this biologist, he narrowed down the precise chemical which produced the smell of death. And it was oleic acid. So if the ants smelled oleic acid, they'd carry out the corpse. That was the automatic thing. But any other smells, they ignored. And their instinct was so strong that if he daubed oleic acid on a piece of paper, The other ants would dutifully carry the paper out and deposit it on the pile of dead ants. In a final twist, he painted a lake acid on the bodies of living ants. And sure enough, their nest mates seized them and carried them off to the ant cemetery with their little legs twitching, their antennae twitching. And having been deposited there, These living ants, these living dead ants, cleaned themselves off before returning to the nest. And if they didn't remove every trace of a laic acid, they'd be promptly seized again and taken out. So there you had dead ants. They had ants that were supposed to be dead, acting very much alive. Which is a bit of an illustration of how sin... Works and our sinful nature has died on the cross. You are dead in Christ, your sinful nature was crucified with Christ, but it keeps on coming back to haunt us, it wriggles back to life, and that's what Paul talks about. In our uh, perhaps, we could just turn to this in Romans 7. This is a lovely, I love, I think, probably my one of my favorite passages in the in this. New Testament, Romans 7. Paul talks about this. He, he, he gives us this... The, the, the inside knowledge to this inner struggle that we all face in Romans 7. You'll recognize it, I think, when we look at it. I'm going to read it in a moment. But it's that passage where Paul says, you know, the good that I would, I do not, and the evil that I do, not that I do. And, and he sort of gets... She expresses this frustration... Let me read chapter 7, verse 15, through to 25. I'll, I'll read it fairly quickly. So, For what I am doing, Paul says, I do not understand. For what I will to do, that I do not practice. But what I hate, that I do. If then I do what I will not to do, I agree with the law Now, if I do what I will not to do, it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells in me. I find then a law that evil is present with me, the person who wills to do good. For I delight in the law of God according to the inward man, but I see another law in my members, warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin, which is in my members. Oh, wretched man that I am! Who will deliver me from this body of death? I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then, with the mind, I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh, the law of sin. You know, there's nothing so miserable as a sinful Christian. There isn't. Because a, a true Christian has tasted of what it means to be right with God, to be holy, to be walking with God. And so to have sin there results in misery. And that's what Paul is talking about. In our uh, school of discipleship, we, uh, we looked at this passage in, in, in great detail. It's not only a wonderful passage, but it's also got quite a bit of... Uh, uh, down the years it's caused quite a lot of debate as to who actually Paul is speaking about. Who's he talking about? Some think he's talking about a person who actually isn't saved. But who's trying to keep the law, sort of a religious person. Some think he's he's talking about the experience of a new Christian who, who really has a lot of the old there still, but has never really entered into the fullness of the spirit filled life. Some think he's actually speaking about the carnal Christian. You know, a carnal Christian who who just doesn't know the the, the power of the Spirit. And so, the carnal Christian has got to get to chapter 8, which is being filled with the Spirit. We haven't got time to go into it in detail why, but I have the conviction that Paul is actually speaking about himself. And he's speaking about himself as he is a mature Christian, full of the Spirit, but still experiencing that inner battle. I believe this describes the, the the experience of all believers, mature ones, spirit-filled ones. You know, over and again, over and over again, he uses the the, the the personal pronouns. You know, I, me, my. Just look at verse fifteen. For what I am doing, you know, I do not understand. For what I will to do, that I do not practice. But what I hate, that I do. I mean, you can't get more Ier than that, can you? That's all about him. It's his experience. And yet he's greatly used of God. Mature. And yet he could say, in me, in my natural self, my flesh, nothing good dwells. Verse 18. So here he is, this great Apostle Paul. And he recognizes that there is a struggle goes on. All the time. And he finds this battle within. And it grieves him. He mourns the sin of his life. Look at verse 23 and 24. He says, but I see another law at work in me, waging against the law of my mind, making me a prisoner of the law of sin. At work within me. What a wretched man I am. Who's going to rescue me from this? You know, it grieves him. He, 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 he longs to be free from this battle within of sin and the old life and the old self, these selfish desires. You know, this, this battle is why you and I can so easily give in to worry and get anxious and not commit everything to God and trust Him. It's why you and I can get so easily self-absorbed. and We can, can't we? I can. I can become so absorbed with me, my, my needs, and what's going on around me. It's, not, it's, it's, it's why I'm not gentle when I, my gentleness is needed, or I'm not kind when my kindness is needed. It's why we can criticize and gossip and say hurtful things to people because that's the old me. I let the old clothes hang around me. That's why Christians can still get dogged with lustful thoughts. Still give in to pornography. Still get trapped in that web. That's why we can live out our Christian lives and yet still find ourselves being self-centered and selfish. It's why we would rather do anything at times but spend time reading the Bible or praying. Or why we hold bitterness and struggle to forgive. That's part of the old clothes. it, It doesn't belong to us. It's why we can get so easily offended by people. And we don't forgive. A worship leader fell out with his pastor. And it was the custom for him to choose the last hymn for each service. And so the following Sunday... After this big argument, when the pastor preached on commitment, the worship leader chose the last song, "I shall not be moved." <laughs> the next week, the pastor preached about gossip, and the worship leader chose I love to tell the story. <laughs> the following Sunday he preached on tithing, the worship leader chose Jesus paid it all. The following Sunday, the pastor had had enough and said in his message that if the worship leader didn't stop, that he would resign. And the worship leader chose the hymn, Oh, why not tonight? <laughs> and the following Sunday, the pastor announced after serious consideration that he would resign. And the worship leader chose the hymn, What a friend we have in Jesus. <laughs> so, You know, we all, we all face these struggles. We, we all get bound up with this. This is life. We, we identify with that struggle. You know, the Word of God tells me there's a struggle, but experience <laughs> tells me I, I, there is a struggle. But one of the keys to overcoming is that you're grieved by that struggle. And you mourn the sin. And you, and you get. You, 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 feel, you feel a failure, but you take that to God. You long to please God. You have a hatred of those sinful desires. That's the evidence that you're a new creation. In Christ and that brings us to the, the last point a victory to come a life to shun a battle to be won a victory to come we'll, I'm going to stay in Romans 7 just for a moment because uh, here you find Paul's great desire in this great struggle to have done with sin look at chapter 7 verse 15 right at the end I'll read read the whole verse. For what I am doing, I do not understand. For what I will to do, that I do not practice. But what I hate, that I do. What I hate. He knew this hatred of sin. He did it. He committed it, but he hated it. The more sensitive he becomes and we become to sin the more we will hate sin. The more sensitive we become to God, the more we will hate sin and love righteousness. And he deeply regrets his sin. Look at chapter four, 7 again, verse 24. Oh, wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? He mourns his sin. Failure. Alan Redpath, some, some of you will remember the name. Um, he, was used to, he was a very well-known evangelist and preacher of his day. And he was staying with some friends. And uh, these friends had two young boys who were very lively, full of energy. One night the parents went out with their guest and they left the boys at home. When they returned, they expected the boys to, still to be up and making all sorts of noise... But as they entered the house, it was totally quiet, absolutely still. And as they went in, they had that sense of foreboding, something was wrong. They called out, there was no answer. So they went into the living room and there on the table in a neat little pile were the remnants of what had been the mother's best china vase. And alongside the little heap of fragments was a note which said, Dear Mom and Dad, we're terribly sorry we knocked over the vase and it broke. We have put ourselves to bed without any supper. <laughs> Needless to say, mum and dad didn't go into the room to scold them. Uh, they were quite disarmed by it. But having that sense of sorrow, a deep sense of sorrow, when we sin, when we know we've let the Lord down, that is Im- that's so important to gaining the victory. John MacArthur says this, <coughs> excuse me, the road to spirituality is paved with a sense of your own wretchedness, not your own self-glory. Jesus said, didn't he, in the Beatitudes, blessed are those who mourn, they shall be comforted. Those, those who are truly part of the kingdom of Christ are the ones who mourn over their sin. They don't gloss over it. <coughs> It's summed up in um, that old hymn. We're going to sing it at the end. Cut <clears throat> Unless the worship leader's fallen out with me and chose a different one. <laughs> okay. come, thou f- come thou fount of every blessing which says this. Prone to wander. Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. Take my heart or take and seal it Seal it from thy courts above. See, there's this longing, this yearning to have a heart that's in tune with God, to be sealed by God. The hymn goes on to say, Oh, to grace, how great a debtor. Daily I'm constrained to be. Let that grace, Lord, like a fetter, bind my wandering heart to thee. It's grace that gives you the victory. It's God's power. Praise God, the Spirit of God gives us this victory. He helps us to put off the old and to put on the new. And we're going to be looking at that next time more practically. What, what is this new? What are the things that we're to put off in practice? And what are the things that we're to put on? But how do we grow in this? Well, let me just finish with um, going back to Ephesians 4, just to finish off with. Ephesians 4, 22, 23. Which says this, or actually 22, yes, 22, 23, that you put off concerning your former conduct the old man, which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lust, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Do you know your mind is the control center of everything? If you, not just your thoughts, but your feelings as well, your will. Even your emotions. The mind has certain governing, has an ability to govern. And our minds are to be renewed with the Word of God. The Word of God, the truth shall set you free. The, The Word of God, the truth that sanctifies us. We're to renew our minds. And we're to let the Holy Spirit be in control of our minds which to be renewed in the spirit of your mind that you put on the new man which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. Which is why Paul says in Philippians 4 verse 8, Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue and if there is anything praiseworthy, Think on these things, meditate on these things. Let's pray. Father God, we want to say thank you for this passage of your word, it's for its insights, for its truths. Thank you, Lord, it helps us to see our struggles and understand our struggles in your light. Lord we pray that as we live in this world and live with people and others, Lord who don't know you, Lord we ask that you'd help us not to be swayed in our behavior by those things around us. We pray that our actions and reactions and our behavior would not be relative. Lord, we don't want to drift with the world. We pray that our lives and our behavior Lord, it would be guided by Your Word, led by Your Spirit, empowered by Your Spirit. If there's anything, Lord, that we are struggling with in our old life, part of these dirty old clothes that hang on to us, that belong to the old life, Lord, we pray, help them to be so pungent to us, so awful to us, that we want to discard them. We want to pursue that which is godly, righteous, and holy. Give us a heart's desire, Lord, we pray, to see sin defeated in our lives. Each day, help us to walk in the power of your Spirit. May our minds, Lord, be controlled by your Spirit, filled with your Word. Help us to be disciplined. Help me to be disciplined in your Word. To renew my mind, to renew our minds. It's your Word, your truth that sets us free. Lord, help us in this, we pray. For your glory's sake. Amen. So let's sing. And let's uh, use these words as a, to express our desire for God to come and to tune our hearts. If you would like uh, somebody to pray with you about anything, maybe of what I've spoken about, or anything else, then I'll, I'll ask the prayer team to come forward afterwards, just to sit at the front, and uh, just join them, and they'll pray with you. I'd be glad to pray with you. Let's, let's stand, shall we? Now your grace is always with me. Lord, prone to wonder, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. Lord, take my heart, take our heart. or take and seal it. Seal it from thy courts above. Give us that power. May we know that power day by day to live for you holy, righteous lives. When we sin, Lord, give us a distaste for that sin. Give us a a grief and a sorrow. Help us, Lord, we pray, to flee to the cross quickly, to seek forgiveness and to seek cleansing, and, Lord, to live in the power of your Spirit again. Help us in this, we pray. Thank you for the new clothes. Thank you for the, the mind of Christ. Thank you for the joy, the love, the peace, the fruit of the Spirit. Lord, may that be our experience, we pray more and more. And so now unto him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy, to God our Saviour, who alone is wise, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and forever. Amen.